Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hey guys, this is Peter Baltus from Accept and you're listening to Talking Metal. Talking Metal, the worldwide podcast for all you serious metalheads out there is available for download now from TalkingMetal.com. Catch the hard-hitting and controversial interview metal artists such as Brandon Small, the master behind Metalocalypse, and Bill Milano from SOD. Brought to you by the podcast creators Mark Striegel and John Astronomy, these fortnightly sessions are not to be missed. Talking Metal, available for download now from TalkingMetal.com. Hey guys, John Astronomy here. Welcome to another edition of Talking Metal. We got a great show for you tonight. This one features an interview Mark and I conducted with Peter Baltus from Accept, one of my favorite groups. First saw those guys back in 1984, March 4th, 1984, Stanley Theater, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That is coming up. So anyway, guys, I am broadcasting or podcasting or whatever the heck you want to call it from the Chelsea Pierce Skate Park. I'm hanging out here with my brother Eric and his friend Ernie, and this is a pretty cool skate park, man. I'll tell you the truth, it's all cement, and it's just ramps and some really high stuff, man. I mean, you could really get hurt here if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you guys remember I was once in a skateboarding disaster. There's uh, a bunch of kids here as well as some adults, some stoner-looking dudes, some parents. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Anyway... At the top of the podcast, you heard a really cool radio promo done by our friend and Talking Metal listener, Nick Bexley from Australia. Very, very cool, Nick. Thanks for putting that together. It sounds awesome. You also heard a little bit of Balls to the Wall, since we are once again featuring Peter Baltus of Accept on this podcast. We'll get to that in a little bit, guys, but uh, you know what I'm about to talk about, man. We are just devastated by the passing of the the great Ronnie James Dio. Literally 
you can't even say anything, you know, that hasn't already been said about Dio. He is a legend. He is the best, or one of the best, if not the best, heavy metal singer around. He was there from the beginning, and uh, he was just one awesome musician and great guy. I had an opportunity to meet him once. Um, we're going to put a picture of Mark and Dio. Mark had met him before as well, way back in the day, which was a, a great, great classic old picture of Mark and Mr. Ronnie James Dio. So check that out in today's show notes. And uh, the the best thing that we can do is keep Dio's music alive. And uh, if you don't have all of his records, go out and buy them now. It's something where you can't really consider yourself a fan of heavy metal if you don't have all of the Dio catalog. And I'm talking about his catalog with Black Sabbath, with Dio, with Rainbow, and uh, with anything else you can find that Ronnie James Dio is on. So anyway, why don't we hear a little medley of a couple of Dio tracks. Mark suggested we play Evil Eyes, so why don't we start out with a little Evil Eyes and end with a little Last in Line, both from The Last in Line. This is Ronnie James Dio.
That was a little medley, two-song medley of uh, some Ronnie James Dio music. He will be missed. I first heard about it because my friend Mike Lincoln texted me on Sunday when it happened, and then I called Mark, who had just also heard about it, and uh, shortly after that I spoke with Ace Fraley, who had asked me if I heard about it, and uh, we all were reminiscing about how sad it was and uh, how great Dio was. So let's keep his music alive. Okay? So, guys, we're going to move on to a happier subject right now. Then we're going to get into a little accept. But first I want to tell you guys about a new album that I got, and it is by our friend John Five, who is going to be featured on an upcoming edition of Talking Metal. He has a brand new album out. It's called The Art of Malice, and uh, John Five is insane. He's one of these guys like Bumblefoot that are just unbelievable, that can do things that I don't know if I could ever do on the guitar. Um, maybe if I started practicing like 50 hours a day. Who knows? So anyway, I almost got hit by a skateboard, guys. That's why I was uh, hesitating, and it turns out it was Eric who basically almost ran me down. I I was looking the other way, and uh, literally, guys, there were like 50 to 100 kids skateboarding. Back to John 5. The Art of Malice uh, is a great, great album. I want to play a couple of tunes. It starts out with a track called The Nightmare Unravels. And then I want to follow it up with a little bit of the cover of Fractured Mirror by Ace. Hey, Eric. How you doing, man? What is this? This is Talking Metal. We were just talking about John 5, but I was also telling him about how you are skating insanely in this skate park, man. Tell us a little bit about this park. This park is sick. It just opened up last Monday, and I'm very happy to be here to skate it. Can you get me a drink now, please? Yes, I can. After I tape this segment, I'll go get you a drink, okay? How's that sound? Okay, that was Eric. He is skating like a maniac here at the skate park. And anyway, back to John 5. He duplicated this sound, which I thought was made with, if it wasn't a core guitar synth, it was definitely some old-style 70s guitar synth. And uh, John 5 figured out how to duplicate that sound, and it's just awesome. So right now, let's hear a little bit from John 5's The Art of Malice.
Hey guys, that was a little bit from John 5 from his brand new album, The Art of Malice. 60 Cycle Hum Records is the label, and our good friends over at Rocket Science Ventures, Mr. Matt Larson, is also involved, providing full support for John 5's record. Let's get into Accept. Accept is a band that I've been a fan of since, you know, way back when. The first time I saw them was 1984, March 4th to be exact. They were opening up for KISS Stanley Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My parents took me to the show. Unfortunately, I made them sit two rows behind because uh, my friends and I thought we were too cool. We didn't want anybody to think our parents had to bring us to the gig. Uh, now I like it when my parents go to gigs because, uh, as you know, they're friends with Ace and some of the other guys in, in the Ace family. So I feel bad that I made them sit two rows behind us. But it was a great show. Lick it up tour. Except was great. Kiss was great. We all wore our tour shirts for the next two, three days. We started out with this sleeveless Accept shirt, which is pretty cool. We saved our Kiss shirts for the second day after the show. Uh, anyway, guys, we uh, hooked up with Mr. Peter Baltas at the Gramercy Theater in New York, New York, except put on a great show. They started out with uh, Midnight Mover and uh, the first couple of tunes. Let me see if I can remember. Uh, Fast as a Shark was one of them. And we cannot forget our good friend Mark Tornillo is now the new vocalist of Accept, and we jammed with him at the Screaming Metal gig. He was awesome. He's not like an Udo copy, but he can do those Udo songs and sound great, and then he can sound like himself on new tracks like The Abyss, which we're going to hear a little bit later. But why don't we start out with a classic Accept tune? Let's hear some Love Child from the album Balls to the Wall from 1983. Then we'll go into the interview with Peter Valtis, where you will hear a lot of cool stuff about the recording of this album, about how they hooked up with Mark, and just some classic Accept stories. And then after that, we will hear the exclusive world podcast premiere of the new Accept track, The Abyss. Guys, thanks for tuning in once again to another edition of Talking Metal. Visit us at www.talkingmetal.com, twitter.com slash talkingmetal, youtube.com slash talkingmetal. Look for us on iTunes. Thank you, guys. Right now, this is Love Child by Accept from 1983's Balls to the Ball.
Hey, it's John Astronomy from Talking Metal. We are here at the Gramercy Theater with Peter Baltus of Accept. How are you, Peter? Terrific, man. Thank you very much. Peter, thanks for joining us. We want to get right into the stuff that Accept is working on now, which is Blood of the Nations. And Andy Sneap, how is it working with him? He's a real famous heavy metal producer known for some extreme sounds from bands like Arch Enemy, uh, Megadeth, right? Testament. Well, it was really interesting. We got um, in contact with Andy through a, a friend of ours in Florida, and uh, we were writing, starting to write some songs, me and Wolf, and uh, we had no idea who we were going to take as a producer, and we got all of a sudden a call from Andy and said, I'm, you know, I would love to do the album. And uh, we were like, who's this? We didn't know who he was. So we looked it up, and we were like, oh, this is cool. So Andy came to Nashville for the first time, and we listened to some stuff that me and Wolf wrote at the time. And uh, it was an interesting thing, because he said, you know... This is not accept. You know, this is, this is you and Wolf, uh, but it's not accept. And he sat us down and said, let's sit down for a couple of days and listen to all the old records from the beginning, you know, from Breaker On, first song to the last song. And we did that. And uh, he said, I'm going to point out all the things for me as a fan that make accept special. These are the classic things. This is the things that whatever we think, oh, this is accept. And then we try to go back and capture that somehow. And we did that, and then we scrapped most of the songs we wrote at that point. We kept one and uh, started over in, in April. And that's how we worked. And it was really cool. We had Mark there, you know, who could sing like Udo sang when he was 20 years old, high range. So, like, it was easy for us to kind of go back and say, well, this is cool. We didn't have to worry about a single or anything. You just let's, let's write songs the way we want them to write. They're longer, they have more parts. You know, you've, you riff on the riff a little bit. Nobody's telling you, hey, 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 it should be three minutes because MTV says, or the, <laughs> somebody says, you know, can't do it. And uh, that's how it came about. So Andy became a big part of the band, almost like a fifth member and great guy to work with. You know, we were very, very fortunate. Now, regarding the writing process, Mark Tornello has such a great range that you weren't limited to try to write songs with a certain vocal range in mind. Well, that's true. You know, in the old days, we, we could just have a riff go, and Uda would just put a killer scream on it, and that in itself would make, like, the moment. You know, it didn't have to be the riff, and then, okay, here starts the verse. You know, we could just, it would kick from the get-go. And, uh, you know, the last couple of albums with Uda, it just wasn't that, it wasn't there anymore, and... Uh, with Mark, all of a sudden, we have this. So we could say, we just we started out here, he puts a big scream, and we run right into this part. And, and then he has the ability to sing really uh, um, clean and soft. So in the, if you listen to The Abyss, there's a middle part in there where he sings with a clean voice and then goes right from there into this monster scream. And, you know, knowing that, oh, he can't do this. We, actually, that's why we put this part in the song, because that would be really cool to have some really... You know, the song is about, you know, the end of the world and how it used to be. And, and that little part resembles the good times in life. You know, everything's going well, and, but it's not going to stay that way. And then comes this scream, and it ramps it into the solo part. So from the writing perspective, it was, it was phenomenal. Let's talk about Mark, your new singer. Where did you guys meet, and how did he come into the fold? And were you familiar with his old work? Um, Wolf came... 2005, we did a festival tour, and then I haven't seen him since. You know, he's a photographer. I write TV and radio spots and stuff. I live in Pennsylvania. He lives in Nashville. He had something to do up there. He came, stayed at my house for a day or two. And we started, you know, naturally, you go in the basement and play a little bit. And I said, ah, wouldn't it be cool to just you jam a little bit? So I called a friend of mine, Surefire Studios in, in Long Branch, and a, a drummer friend. And said, so just drum a little bit and play together, how that feels. And we played, and at that point, you know, we said wish we had a singer. Damn, we had a singer, you know. Because Udo said flat out, he's not interested. So uh, 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 Joey, the 
guy from the studio said, why don't you call Mark? I said, Mark who? He said, Mark Tonillo. Mark Tonillo, no idea. T.T. Quick. And then it clicked. T.T. I remember T.T. Quick, but it was so long ago. So he actually called somebody who called um, Mark Tonillo and said, hey, Peter Bolts wants to talk to you. And Mark said, yeah, you're just pulling my chain. <laughs> but anyway, we got in contact, and he came down to jam with us. And he, he was really sick. He hadn't sang for a long time. And he came down, and there was a vocal booth, and I said, go in there. We play in here. We set your mic up. We got in the headphones. We start playing balls, flash-rocking man. And I look over, and he takes his shirt off, and he looks like, that looks like Bon Scott in there, man. And Great. he sings, and he's going. And while he's singing, I look over to Wolf, and Wolf's eyeballs went up. I'm like, boy, what do you think? Do you think of what I'm thinking? I'm like, yeah. So there was never a thought of bringing the band. You know, he just stopped by my house. We said, you know, that's what we do. We play, but... At that moment, we called Garby and we said, listen, I think we got something which is just, it fits. You know, we don't never have to look for a thousand singers, audition 5,000 tapes, fly somebody in from L.A., none of that. This is what we always, this is what we needed 30 years ago. You know, and it's this, amazing that he's right there, like in proximity of you. Right. You know, and it was like, we made that decision right there. Within hours, you know, we, we said, we got a band. Now we got to just find the other guys. That was a couple of phone calls. And we're in business. I mean, it's, it's almost like a miracle. It's, it's, it doesn't happen like this in the, in the business world. Usually everybody has an axe to grind or like <laughs> my lawyer calls your lawyer on the bullshit. This was like the old, old days, you know, a handshake. You're in. I was like crazy. Mark's voice, his voice may not be associated with the known except sound. I mean, there was a different, well, you guys did actually have two singers come to think of it. But uh, Udo, his voice is so, you know, characteristic and and uh, people expect that from except. The new single is out, The Abyss. How are the hardcore fans reacting to Mark's voice on that song? You know, this is an interesting thing I want to tell this because... When it all started, when we posted Flash Rock Man and Balls to the Wall, which we recorded at that session when he was sick, you know, we put it on the, on the web, just very naive, you know, so oh, I want people to hear this. We were excited. And the reaction mostly was, he doesn't sound like Udo, he sucks, yeah, Udo, no, Udo, no, except. And then, long and behold, the abyss comes out and everything has changed. Everybody's like, we didn't know, man, this kicks ass. This is even better. This, this guy can scream and he sounds like Udo back then. And then, you know, they realized, and we realized too, he puts his own spin on it. So we, we basically were so lucky to find somebody who now gives accept a new identity, maybe like a 20th century identity, you know, where you, you get the old, right. but you give it with a cut, cutting edge new sound, which is kind of cool. You know, if you're a fan, I mean, there's nothing written in stone that it always has to be the same. If I'm a fan of a band, right. I want them to progress and come up with new stuff, you know, and after 10, 15 albums, it's kind of hard. So right. having a new singer, bringing in new blood, you know, it's only like opening the veins, you know, and just getting some leeches on sucking the old stuff out and <laughs> get some new stuff in. That's how we feel. And the fans are coming around and they're like everywhere. You know, last night on Eddie Trunk, we, uh, we uh, premiered Teutonic Tower, which is the video oh, which cool. comes out on Monday. And, you know, everybody loves it. I think we're, we're, we did exactly right. right. Tell us about the video. Where was the shot? Who directed it? Video was shot with a friend of ours, David Blass, who works. He's a production manager for the band, uh, for the show Justified, which is an FX show, a really good show. And he was such a big Accept fan, you know. And uh, he said, if I ever, ever can be part of this, I want to do the video. Right. And we're like, okay, that would be cool. And he said, I'll set it all up. I'll do it all. Don't worry about it. You come to L.A. And, and he was like a little kid in a candy store. Like, oh, my God, my guys are coming. The set looks unbelievable. 
And he said, first, you know, he said, you know, what are we going to do with them? You know, we do this storyline and this. And then he said, you know what? Me as a fan, all I want to do is see the band in an awesome setting play a song. I want to see them. I don't want to see a story, a girl, or nothing, a horse. I want them. <laughs> so he found this, this, this Navy uh, Army scrapyard, basically. There's old World War II tanks. There's helicopters. There's rockets. There's you name it. It's there. And he set up this awesome set, and we flew to L.A., and we had a blast. I mean, we had detonation. It was everything. Wolf is playing it. I'm not going to tell you. You see it on Monday. But if there ever was a video, metal. You can't get any more metal than get this it, video. You've got to show me. It was, it's just, it was amazing. So we're very, very, very fortunate to have David on board and uh, his company. And, uh, you know, it premieres on Monday. And then you be the judge. To me, with the addition of Mark and seeing how the band is feeling, it feels like a rebirth and feels like you guys are having just as much fun as you had back when Accept formed originally. You know, in the beginning, there was a certain amount of, you know, are we doing the right thing here? You know, we're just doing this. But as it progressed, as we start writing songs, they were like, oh, man, they could get this one and this one. Check this one out. We were like... We were like digging it, you know, and, and over the years you kind of lose that, that you dig your own stuff. Right. And I was talking to Eddie last night, we've realized how many bands never listen back to their own record. You know, that you don't. You forget because you play them on the road. You forget how good you were, what the good things were that you did. So by Andy doing this, we all of a sudden started realizing, yeah, we were really cool, man. We, you know, we didn't realize how cool Fast as the Shock was. It was the first Thresh song ever. Right. You know, it was like, oh, man. I can hear influences when I was listening to Fast as a Shark today. I can hear other bands now that were influenced by sure. Fast as a Shark. Even my own musicianship, there are things that I do, and I'm, it's coming back to me that that came from Fast as a Shark. It is amazing. I mean, it makes you feel old for a moment, but <laughs> no, it is, it is pretty amazing. And, you know, we're very, very excited. We have so many things going for us. We're being gone for 15 years, we really do appreciate everything we have. Everything that's given to us, all these fans. I mean, we have fans for, for this show. There's fans flying, flying in from Puerto Rico, the southern Mexico, Toronto, Los Angeles, Germany, you name it. Everybody is like, wow. it's an event. It's like, I got forms. I got letters that I'm packed. That was last Thursday. I'm wow. packed. I'm ready to go. Ready. I'm ready to go. I'm listening to, to a breaker 50 times. I got to make sure <laughs> I know all the lyrics. And I'm like, wow. the fans are preparing themselves the way we do. Right. So it should be a slaughter fest tonight. It should be water on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about who's currently in the band? Obviously, you, Wolf, and Mark, but who else? Herman Frank, who played on Wrestlers and Wild and was Balls gone for Balls the Wall. And um, Stefan Schwartzmann, who was a drummer, and uh, Stefan Kaufmann couldn't drum anymore. And then he went back, Udo, did some Crocus stuff, and uh, he's back. And he played, I have to say this, because he played really, really well. You know, he didn't get a chance to play in a lot of albums. But uh, this one, he just put his heart in, and we're very proud of him. Now, Herman came back for some of the festivals you guys did back in maybe four years ago, three, four years ago. They both played on these festivals. 2005, we headlined about 20 festivals with Udo. And, you know, they were going so well, we thought, you have to be idiots not to continue. Right. But there was in the back, you know, Udo didn't want to do it, and it wasn't like it is now that we're all excited. It was like, it's cool. The fans are nice. We like it. But it would have been almost... Looking back now, it would have been like a lukewarm thing. Now it's a full-fledged you know, hellfire thing. We're like, 
We're on fire. It's totally psyched. Totally different. Totally different. I'm glad it didn't work out in a way, you know, because sometimes you one door shuts, another opens. Back in the day, though, th- were there other, you know, there's been rumors that, that you guys had issues with, with Udo a lot, even back in the day. You obviously did one record without him back then, but I was reading somewhere that even before Balls to the Wall, there was a rumor that he had quit the band and then was back. Are any of those true? Um, you know, Udo... Udo started the band when he was, you know, very young, and then Wolf joined and I joined. And uh, all the albums were basically written by me, Wolf, and Stefan. You know, and, and we had to write the things for Udo to sing. And uh, he had a great voice, but for some reason, I don't know what it was, he was never really with us. He was always on the outside. He was, you know, I'm leaving. He always, always had that little thing going, you know, to keep us in check. And, it, you know, over the years, it came to the point where we're like, Come on, man, we're a band, you know, and, and you're not just one guy. We're all in this together, you know, and it just, I don't know. It was a marriage gone bad, basically, and there's not much more you can say to it. You know, I wish him all the best, truly. I love the guy. We all wish him the best, honestly. And he has a great thing going with this band, and sometimes it's time to move on in things and start something new, you know, even though a fan say, no, we'll do it back. You know, it doesn't <laughs> work. Even if he would come back, you wouldn't be happy because it was a lukewarm Speaking of vocals and songwriting, there was something that I heard that you were able to make up back in the day, English-sounding kind of just like nonsensical words when you were writing, and it was a talent that only you had. Explain that. Well, it was like type of a gibberish, So, and I still do it. You know, if I write a song today, I sing something, and it's, it's like, Run to river like a drew and rowing. It's just the, the, the way it sounds, and then sometimes, you know, something sounds perfect on a certain riff. Another word wouldn't fit. So, uh, and then I would look, what did I sing there? And then we would write the lyrics, and Gabby wrote the lyrics. Okay, it sounds like this. What would make sense? Try this, you know. And then we would present it to Udo, and he would sing it. You know, but, you know, I had to make all this up all these years. You know, in the beginning, we had, we, none of us really spoke English. We had English in Germany. Udo never spoke English. Never. I mean, it took him years. He never had no idea what he was singing. So that's why in the beginning when we wrote the lyrics, they didn't make any sense. It was just, some, it sounds like this, all right, right, this. You know, I mean, Lady Lou. Well, the world is Lady Lou. But, you know, that's how it started. It's great. Man, what a talent, man. You got it. The first time I ever saw Accept was on the Power Slave Tour, Iron Maiden, at uh, Poplar Creek, Illinois. Any good memories from that tour? Um, Any bad memories? No, actually, I have to say Maiden was really cool. You know, we came to America. I forget. But we opened first time we came to America, Rockefeller Center for Three Days Press, and then Hartford, Connecticut, opening for Kiss, the Unmasked Tour. And uh, for us, I mean, we're little German kids, all right? You know, we come in there, it's Kiss, and it's like Jim and Simmons took us on his wings and stuff, and you're not allowed to step on the, you know, the, the tank, the, the tank right. wheel things, you know, and I stepped on ones and I got the look. But <laughs> we learned so much from Kiss, and then going on with Maiden, you know, we learned so much about working the crowd. And, uh, and then we went out with Ozzy. So, you know, these were all the three building blocks for us. The first one was Priest, actually, in Europe. These four were the building blocks for us where we learned. We just took it all in. You know, Maiden was just a blast. I mean, we watched Maiden every night. Still do. You know, there was such a great band. And it fit. You know, it was a good time for metal. It was a good time for European metal. And uh, I hope they come back. I first saw you guys March 4th, 1984, on the KISS tour in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It was a place called the Stanley Theater. It was a really cool place. And I remember the next day, all of my friends, my parents took us, but we made them sit two rows behind us because we were too cool to, to be with the family. And the very next day, we all decided we weren't going to wear the KISS shirts, no offense to KISS, but we all wore the except uh, sleeveless gray T-shirts. 
I know. It's, it's, I appreciate that very much. You know, we, we were very fortunate. We, when we did the first Priest tour, n- nobody knew where we were. It said actually attack on the, on the tickets. Oh, wow. we, we were attack. <laughs> we had no banner or nothing. We had no, nobody knew where we were. But from, from every time we played a show, the word ran ahead of time to the next gig. These kids are amazing. We had no shirts on, just jeans, boots, no shirts, all of us. <laughs> so we're just standing there in one spot. But, you know, we played and we rocked and fast as a shark and breaker, and these people had never heard stuff like this, you know. And the combination between Priest and us, uh, it just fit. And the same on Maiden and, and Kiss, you know. We, we had this underground thing, and all of a sudden it broke open. I think we're still some sort of an underground band, you know, for, for a lot of musicians. You know, this, this, this cool thing was always down there, you know. So. Good deal. Peter, one last question for you. Uh, we were out at Don Dockin's studio a couple of years ago and did a nice sit-down interview with him. Any uh, memories of working with Don? Don is a very nice guy. He's a very talented guy, really cool. And, uh, you know, what I always regret that he had that fallout with George Lynch. I think the band was the best right. when these two were together. Like Eddie Van Halen and David Lee Ross, there's certain things that fit. And, you know, he was a great guy. We, played, we had a great band. Mickey D was the drummer and, and John Norm and Billy White, who lives in Mexico. It was a great time. But in the end, looking back, it wasn't my style of music. Right. You know, I had two great years and we toured. But, you know, I wish he would just go back with George and get it over with. Cool. Well, Peter, thanks very much for hanging out with us today on Talking Metal. And uh, we're all looking forward to the show tonight, man. Thank you. Thank you so much.